She'd never seen him in any sort of coat. The temperature had dropped 20 degrees since last weekend. It was beige, with a belt he let dangle at the sides. You off to climb Everest, she said, feeling trapped in her seat at the table. She didn't go to great lengths primping before she saw him, but she did brush her hair and her teeth and change out of her old slippers with the stuffing bulging out. Until this moment, their encounters had been quite formal, with precise beginnings and ends. No sleepovers, no weekends away. Neither had ever dropped in on the other like this. Their children had never met. Their touching was tentative, nearly absent-minded, though her memory of it was acute, a confusing ache of pleasure and shame. No intercourse. Miraculously, they were in silent agreement about that. Her dog, Walt, nudged Tom's hand with the long bridge of his nose, but Tom didn't respond as he usually did. He just stood there in the doorway, his eyes flicking over her impatiently. He was going to break it off. It couldn't have been clearer to her. This was just the way he would do it, in person, in a parka, perhaps after a trip to the dump. He needn't bother. It was hardly anything to her. She had enjoyed his company, his lack of demands on her, but that couldn't have lasted much longer. I'm sorry, he said, pointing to the sea of essays. I know I'm interrupting. His hands were red from the cold. Let's just get it over with, she thought, anger and humiliation prickling her throat. Her mind felt calm, detached, but her heart had another engine altogether and thudded painfully. I just had this... I was planning to... But it just made me so crazy, all the... He walked the length of the kitchen, away from her, the bulky parka sleeves squealing as his arms flailed about. She wondered if he'd stitched it himself, this awful coat. She wished she'd never said she loved him. She was just being polite, returning the compliment late one evening. But now it turned out he'd been mistaken. Of course it had been too soon... His wife had only been dead a short while. She wished he'd just spit it out and go home. He reached the far counter, spun around, and with three long strides he was there before her, hovering over her and her work. He smelled of something familiar. Maple syrup, maybe. His eyes finally settled on hers. I love you, Vita. I do. But it's not enough for me. It's not enough to simply love you. I wish for everyone's sake it were, but it's not. I want to marry you. A laugh or a sob, Vita couldn't tell which, pushed its way out of his chest. I want to marry you. Out of the parka came a ring, no box, that clinked as it landed in her teacup. Damn, he said, fishing it out with thick, shaking fingers. I'm sure you've had better proposals than this. I'm just not that type. It was, in fact, her first proposal. Another woman, a better woman, might have confessed this. She never would. She had let him believe, along with everyone else up here, that she'd been married to Peter's father. The ring hovered now, too, caught in the tips of his fingers. Suddenly she understood the true role of the ring. It forced, as T.S. Eliot would say, the moment to its crisis. Without it, a proposal was just a question, a query, and the response could be the beginning of a conversation that might last weeks or years. 
But the ring demanded the final answer within a few seconds. You either reached up and took it, or you kept your hand on top of Hank Fish's essay on Emerson. And once you took it, you'd have an awkward time of giving it back. But to not take the ring, to leave it untouched, to watch it go back into the parka pocket, the proposal marked with a fat F. Who could deliver that blow? She heard Peter upstairs crossing the landing to the bathroom. She'd always imagined these moments filled with ecstatic conviction, but this moment was about ending the embarrassment, stopping the shallow breaths through Tom's nostrils and the little laugh sobs he was trying to suppress. It was about Peter upstairs and her terror of the mornings and all the years they'd been alone together in this house. Whether she spoke or simply nodded, she'd never know. All she knew was that the ring, several sizes too big, was slipped on her finger and Tom was kissing her, then burying his face in her hair, then kissing her again. Everything felt rubbery. She had the sense, despite his enthusiasm, that it wasn't really happening this way, that they were rehearsing, hypothesizing, and that the real moment would happen later, would happen differently. Tom called up to Peter, who launched himself down the stairs immediately, his lack of athleticism embarrassing to her in Tom's presence. His face was bright red. He already knew. Even before Tom made the announcement, clutching her at the shoulders, she saw that Peter already knew. I am so psyched, he said, pumping Tom's hand, then raising both fists in the air as if it were the successful end of a soccer game. Congrats, Mom, he said to her and pecked her on the cheek. There was a bit of a bristle to his chin. This has been a long time coming. He was beaming at her, though he barely knew Tom. A handful of hellos at the door, that was all. They celebrated with cookies and cider. She filled the glasses, passed the plate, but still she was somewhere apart from her body, and this moment was somehow apart from the rest of her life. Again and again she felt they were practicing, all three of them, and each time she smiled at Tom or Peter, she felt they were acknowledging that too. She walked Tom out to his car. She hoped that this would serve as their date, that she could have the rest of the evening to herself to finish her work. But he hugged her again and said he'd pick her up at seven. He got into his car, then leapt out. I almost forgot. He reached into the back seat. A little engagement present. It was a blue box with his insignia on it, blue clothiers. He had been that certain she'd say yes. When I was a very little boy, he said, leaning against the car and pulling her toward him in a gesture of familiarity that was probably familiar only to his wife, in the grave. My grandfather made a dress for a customer, a very simple dress. A few weeks later, a friend of hers came in the shop and ordered the exact same dress. She said her friend had told her it was a magic dress. After that, he got another request, and another. My grandfather must have made 25 of those dresses. I forgot all about them, and then when I saw you, I remembered. I remembered the dress exactly, right down to the pearl buttons. I don't know why. She lifted off the top. It was yellow, a color she never wore. She was relieved that it was a summer dress with tiny capped sleeves. 
it would be at least eight months before she'd be expected to wear it. It's lovely, she said, holding it up to herself. Dear God, what had she done? It's magic. He kissed her again. The kisses were different now, firmer, possessive. Tom the tailor made me a dress, she imagined telling Carol, though she knew she wouldn't. She watched his car turn off her gravel road and onto the paved school avenue, which carried him past the mansion and all its new limbs, then the tennis bubble, then the hockey rink, in a long arc before finally setting him back on the main road. She would have to leave this campus, this haven of fifteen years, if she actually married him. "'Aren't you freezing?' Peter called to her from the front door. There was a thrill, a wildness in his voice she'd never heard before. She opened the trunk of her car and tossed the box in. "'What's in the box?' he'd ask when she got a little closer. He was going to have so many questions this afternoon. She stopped on the path to the house and lit a cigarette to buy herself some more time. Chapter Two At his mother's wedding, Peter danced with his new stepsister, Fran, whose attention had slid over the top of his head at the beginning of the song. She wasn't focused on anything in particular, which made her lack of interest in him all the more apparent. But he was simply happy to be dancing with her. He might never again have the opportunity to dance with someone so thoroughly out of his league. This marriage was exactly what Peter had wanted, and now it was here, all around him, written on balloons tied to chairs...